0: you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome. I'm Dana. This is Words That Move Me. I'm stoked that you're here and I'm stoked to share. I'm so excited to share this one. I'm always excited, but let's just talk about the fact that I have been a working professional dancer, meaning like pay all of my bills and have no debt entirely thanks to dance and dance related income like choreographing, movement coaching, teaching, etc. Work. We love to hear that. Um, But in 2020, I certified as a life coach and I specialize in helping creative people navigate their creative careers in the entertainment industry. Now today, I want to share something that came up in a coaching session recently, because I'm actually shocked that I haven't talked about this subject before. This It's a challenge, actually. This challenge is something that probably all of us will face at some point. It's something that happens all of the time. And until now, I didn't really have a tool for approaching it, dare I say, solving it. Uh, But thanks to one of my clients and her vulnerability and her creativity, her willingness to lean into this uncomfortable moment, uh, I officially have an approach for what to do or rather what to think when someone, specifically someone you admire, someone you hold in a favorable light, says words that go against your beliefs. That is what we're talking about today. First, let's do some wins. I have so much to celebrate, y'all. I took an impromptu weekend getaway to New York. Uh, I got to see Maddie Love, Colton Krause, Ida Saki, and many, many more in Danson uh, on its closing weekend, which is the saddest story. I'm not ready to talk about that. Another podcast for another time, perhaps. I was electrified by that show and every single dancer on that stage Moved to and through tears, into elation, into devastation. I am like rocked. I can still see these moves on the back of my eyelids when I close my eyes. Fan-freaking-tastic job, everyone. Dancing was such a riot. Um, Also, super shout-out to Leo Moctezuma for your Broadway debut in New York, New York. It was so much fun to watch you. Um, Man, I I love New York City. It was such, such a nice trip. You know the spring before it gets nasty ass hot, and when it's not uh, super freezing cold, that's kind of, you know, that exact week. What week was it? May something perfect loved. Congratulations, dancing dancers and Leo. Uh, big fan, big love. Um, also I do kind of want to celebrate. You know me; it's hard to choose one win. Uh, <laughs> did that sound? Sure, I don't care. It's wins time. Um. If you've taken my class before, you know I I love to do a little something across the floor called "Feel Yourself Friday." And actually, I (laughs) rarely—I'm actually teaching on a Friday, so it's like "Feel Yourself Friday" on a Tuesday. Um, Today is Thursday, and I had a little "Feel Myself Friday" on a wait, no, it isn't Tuesday. Did I say Thursday? (laughs) Tell you what, it is—is nighttime. I usually record these in the daytime, so forgive my nighttime brain. I just had a personal dance party in my house. Feel yourself Friday on a Thursday. I can't even, I don't know how long it lasted. May or may not have been wearing pants, but really was enjoying myself dancing around my house. So may this be an invite to you to create a future win for yourself. Go ahead and feel yourself. Put on some music, dance around your house. Pants optional. I hope you do that and I hope you celebrate it as a future win Um, okay that's it for me trip to New York feel myself Friday on today um, and very very close to tomorrow right now as we inch towards 12 o'clock I will yield the floor now you go tell me what's going on in your world Okay, my friend, congratulations. Keep on winning. Please do feel yourself all the time. And I do kind of want to elaborate here as I'm hearing my acting teacher's words. Gary Imhoff, previous podcast guest, I'm I'm not encouraging you to be full of yourself, as in arrogant. I am encouraging you to be full of your talent. Feel full of your talent and feel yourself, as in feel your fullness of talent. That is what I want for you on Friday and every day. Okay. What are we talking about today? Let's focus. Okay. I'm talking today about that special moment when someone, specifically someone you think favorably of, or somebody who holds special authority in your life, like a parent or a mentor or a teacher, or perhaps even a boss, when someone in that position says words that do not align or even go against your beliefs I'm going to give a few examples here. Let's say that you believe you had a solid performance and the one person in the audience whose opinion you actually care about says that it was okay. Or let's say that maybe you're one of the dancers in a Broadway show called Dancin', and somebody way high up says the end of this show. Yowza. Another example, um, maybe you believe that you should be considered for a certain project and your agent says, no, that that gig is not really for you. Okay, that's an example. Or the flip side of that coin, actually. Uh, For whatever reason, you do not want to be a part of a project and your rep or a friend or someone tells you that you really, really should. It would be so good for you if you did that. It would be a good opportunity, Um, good to be close to those people. But if you really know that, no, that's not for me, then hearing that might you know, be met with some conflict. Or how about simply this? You believe you have a place in the industry and a mentor or a teacher tells you that you don't. Or if you do, it's going to be really, really hard to to create that space for yourself. That was the case for my client. My client, a person with a very strong moral compass, and sense of community and a work ethic, y'all, that is on par with some of the major high-achieving celebrities that I have coached and worked with. This person has been busting her buns to build skills worthy of top-tier work in the entertainment industry. She she recently had a mentor/slash educator figure tell her something very discouraging about her likelihood of quote making it, unquote. This mentor figure said that my clients' morals. Yes, her morals would make making it, again in quotes, very hard for her. I think there was probably more conversation specifically around being a woman and this notion that in the entertainment business, sex sells, or I guess I should say sexy sells. Yeah, man, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like that's kind of the image that sells. And I thought that we as a community as a people in general knew that you don't need to have sex to be sexy and you don't need to do drugs to have fun and be edgy. Um, But I I won't go into all that in this episode. We'll just focus on the words that I know were said. Your morals will make it hard for you to make it in the industry. Wowza, (laughs) y'all. Can you imagine hearing that the very things that make you, 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 will be the things that keep you from being the future you that you want to be. Oh, holy conflict. No wonder this person came for coaching. Speaking of which, pause for a very teachable moment here, because I still get a lot of questions like, um, what does a coach actually do? And what is the difference between a coach and a mentor? So just very quickly, I will um, demystify the difference between the two. The way I see it, a mentor-mentee relationship is a little bit like a parent-child relationship. The mentor helps to shape and mold the mentee based on their personal experiences, their personal values, their taste. In an exchange between a mentor and a mentee, you will likely hear advice, opinions, suggested actions that one might take or not take, and that is very much not the case in coaching, at least the style of coaching that I do. Unlike a parent-child relationship, in coaching, a coach, a good coach anyways, is a mirror. And the client gets to see themselves through their own eyes, not the coach's. A coach focuses on future. A coach does not advise on what this person should do or not do. Usually... uh, Hopefully, a great coach focuses on what this person thinks and how their thoughts are affecting the way they feel, how their feelings are affecting the way they behave, and how that behavior is giving them the results of their life. So it's uh, it's a coach's job to help a client organize, you know, the 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 facts, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions of this person's life, and help them see sometimes at a thirty thousand foot view, very zoomed out how the way they're thinking really affects their the results of their life, their experience of the world. My experience as a dancer or a choreographer doesn't come up a whole lot, if at all, in a coaching session. What does come up a whole lot are questions, <laughs> lots of questions that help the client see where they stand, what they're thinking, what they believe, how those beliefs are shaping the way they feel how those feelings are shaping the way they behave. And if you know what you want, if you know the result that you want and you can work backwards, you know how you need to behave, then you'll then then we can decide how you need to feel to behave that way and what you need to think that leads you to feeling that way. That's kind of um, a super duper crash course on the style of coaching that I do, which is based in cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. So mentors oftentimes Giving advice based on their life experience. And the reason why I don't love to do that is because the people that I'm coaching most often are living a very different experience than I did um, and have different goals and aspirations than the ones that I had. I could, I could tell someone exactly what I did, how I did it, even what I thought and felt to do it. But because the world is so different today, my advice is less valuable than... Helping someone understand how to manage their mind. It's like, you know, what what is the saying about the fish? Cook a man a fish and you feed him for the night. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. My goal (laughs) is to teach people how to fish, to teach people how to understand the way that they're thinking and how it affects their results. Okay, so what comes up in a coaching session? Usually a whole lot of questions, some teaching a lot of conversation a lot of downloading separating thoughts and facts and feelings and actions and that sort of thing and that's basically what happened in this particular case a whole lot of questioning turned into a checklist of questions that my client and now you can use any time you encounter something similar to this circumstance okay so let's say a person you think of favorably slash a person in a position of power says words that are at odds with your views or values. Here is what you can ask yourself. First, is there any evidence of the opposite of what this person is saying? In other words, is there any evidence that this is untrue? Like right here and now, could I just call this untrue? In the case of my client, totally. I could point to a solid group of straight edge humans who are sexy as hell, Without having sex, more importantly, I could point out that morals, period, (laughs) whatever they may be, are an excellent guide to making decisions about your work and about your collaborators and about your relationships and so on. I would argue that having strong morals makes it easy to navigate your professional career. I love a crystal clear, clean cut decision based on a strong moral belief that I hold. I love that, it makes things so easy. That's why we call it a moral compass, by the way. It helps direct you to where you need to go and not go. So that's number one. Is there any evidence of the opposite of what this person is saying? If this person is saying your morals, you know, your moral compass is gonna make it hard for you, is there any world in which your moral compass could make it easy for you? Is there anyone like you who has similar morals that has done this? sometimes simply asking that question to which the answer, by the way, is almost always, yes, there is evidence of the opposite. Sometimes that's enough to release some of the pressure, this imaginary conflict between you and the other person to kind of put you at ease. Um, But please don't stop there, please keep going. Second question, what do I stand to lose by thinking that this person is right? In this case, What might my client have lost by believing her mentor, by choosing to think that her morals will keep her from making it in the business? What does she stand to lose? When I asked her that question, what do you stand to lose by thinking that your mentor is right? She said, everything. (laughs) She might lose herself by forfeiting her values for a, quote, easier shot at, quote, success. (laughs) She might lose realizing her dream, right? She might decide, oh, if it's going to be that hard, I'm just not going to do it. What else is there between losing yourself and losing your dream? I mean, wow, I kind of agree with her answer. I said, what do you stand to lose by thinking that that person is right? And she said everything. And so I think from that point on, our session moved quite quickly. But let's keep digging in here. My next question is, what do you stand to lose? by thinking that they're wrong? What could you miss out on by straight up not believing them, right? By just closing the door and thinking, you don't know anything, shutting them out. What do you stand to lose by thinking that person is straight up wrong? It's important to consider both sides of this coin, right? What you stand to lose by thinking they're wrong and what you stand to lose by thinking they're right. Both important questions. In this case, my client might lose the impression that this person is all powerful they might they might lose their reverence is that yeah is that appropriate to say in this context uh they might they might lose their belief that this person is omnipotent they might lose the you know the pillar that they had built this person up to stand on um, they might forfeit the dynamic of a teacher-student relationship that's, you know everything, I know nothing, right? They might forfeit that. That dynamic might change. They might lose the idea that this person has to be right about everything, right? Maybe they just soften up around that thought a little bit. Maybe they come to the opinion that this person may be wrong about some things and maybe right about a lot of things. So that, that's a really important question. What do you stand to lose by thinking that this person is dead wrong? Now we flip to the other side of the coin. What do I stand to gain by thinking that they're right? What do I stand to gain by thinking that this person is right? In the context of my client, not a whole lot, (laughs) but if I really, really search, and if my client took these words as words of caution, not words of discouragement, if she agreed that her morals would be challenged in the entertainment business, then she might be encouraged to strengthen them even further. She might build on and bolster her values. She might double down on her beliefs, knowing that she'll be met with some um, resistance or or whatever. I don't know what this person thinks she'll be met with, but um, it's it's possible. There is an angle where finding some truth to what her mentor was saying may be useful to her, and that is the value of these questions. Just a few more. What do I stand to gain by thinking that they're wrong? What do I stand to gain by thinking that they're wrong? In the context of my client, what might she stand to gain by thinking that her mentor was wrong? Well, to start, uh, a sense of her own agency and authority over her own life, a sense of optimism for her future. She might gain an action plan for making it and doing it her way. Cue Frank Sinatra, please. I, I think that there's a lot of learning here in these four questions that are only subtly different. What do you stand to gain by believing that they're right or wrong? What do you stand to lose by believing that they are right or wrong? Okay, so important. Next two questions, um, just two more. What do I actually think about this? Once you've dug into what, what might I gain, what might I lose, you'll probably land at a pretty firm um, kind of landscape of what you actually think is real, what you what you forecast for yourself, or what you hope to forecast for yourself. Um, so I think spending some time here and making a decision, even deciding or writing it, uh, having a conversation about it, once you've excavated those questions, you'll you'll probably have a better sense of what you think. You may not have a definitive answer on the subject, right? Like, it will or will not be harder for me because of my morals. But I'm almost certain you will have a standing and a sense of what beliefs are useful to you. That's really the most important thing, is whether or not any of this is useful to you. Is thinking that it's going to be hard for me to make it because of my morals useful? Huh, not so much. Um, Maybe if you dig, if if you really exercise you can you can find some value there, but I think these these questions will will help you excavate a lot more use uh, than what came on face value with that statement. Um, okay, final question. How can I have my back while I find out? Not that this is about right or wrong or people being right or wrong, um, but chances are you will decide to take a position. In the name of research and development, (laughs) like, let's see what happens when I believe that 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 person is right. Let's decide to believe that it's going to be harder for me to make it because of my morals. How does that work? How does that actually feel? How can I have my back while I find out? Let's decide to believe the opposite. Let's decide to believe that my morals will make it easier for me to make it. How does that feel? How can I have my back while I find out? You'll go on with your life thinking thoughts and believing beliefs, and this question seeks to focus in on how you can do all of that without making yourself or the other person the bad guy. Sometimes having your back while you find out what you believe looks like judgment-free questioning, just like the questions I just ran through. Without judgment, can you answer those questions? Sometimes it looks like some good old-fashioned positive self-talk. I've got this, they're trying to help, I'm in it for the long run. I can R&D this bad boy. I can be a creative problem solver about it. Let's keep moving forward. Um, Sometimes it looks like setting boundaries that keep love in versus love out. And always, always having your back means feeling your feelings and knowing that you will be okay, ultimately. And you will, my friend, I know that you will. I like to kind of actually imagine another me. standing directly behind me with her hands, resting gently on my shoulder blades. She doesn't push me. She simply stands there and I can feel the heat from her hands. And usually that's enough to have my back. I just think of me having my back. And that's enough to help me stop beating myself up, to stop directing hate or blame at other people. I cannot underline this enough, my friend. The power you reserve when you have your own back is a tremendous power and i wish this for all of you i wish i could gift it to you at all times but alas we are humans and we will doubt ourselves <laughs> actually that that brings me to the reason i'm calling this episode doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs even though my little round of questions asks you to try on doubting and believing each of them the reason i'm calling this doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs is because As artists who work in a subjective medium, unlike sports, where there are points awarded that lead to clear winners and losers and bragging rights and things, uh, there are no clear winners in our field. And there are lots of perfectionists. And that combination equals a breeding ground for self-doubt. Self-doubt kills action. Okay, leads to inaction most of the time. It kills momentum. That is why I'm asking you to doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs, or at very least investigate others' doubts, learn from them, and then decide on the beliefs that lead you to action. Decide what you would like to believe after that investigation. These questions will help you doubt doubts and believe beliefs. The first one is, is there any evidence of the opposite of what this person is saying? What do I stand to lose by thinking that they're right? What do I stand to lose by thinking that they're wrong? What do I stand to gain from thinking that they're right? What do I stand to gain from thinking that they're wrong? And after you've gone through that quartet, You get to ask, what do I actually think about this? What do I believe? And the final question is, as I find out what I believe, how can I have my back while I do that? What will it look like for me to have my back, not blame me or this other person as I find out where I stand on this subject? That is what I have for you today, my friend. Kind of a deep dive and really, really cool. Um, I learned a lot from this coaching session. I hope this is useful for you. And if you're interested in subjects like this one, I've actually covered sort of similarly, but in different contexts, Um, in previous podcast episodes, how to disagree with people that you love and how to have uncomfortable conversations. Those two are big ones, Um, kind of like similar, similar world. So if this episode spoke to you, please go check those out. I will link to them in the show notes of this episode how to disagree with people you love, and how to have uncomfortable conversations. Please, my friends, doubt your doubts. Believe your beliefs. Your life will change. So excited for you. Now go. Get out into the world. Fill yourself Friday on whatever the hell day it is, or night for that matter. Um, Keep it very funky, and I will talk to you soon. I just waved, literally, I just waved here in the booth by myself. Okay, bye. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Bree Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com. If you're curious about all the things that I do that are not words that move me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.